Hello and welcome. My name is Raj Pasord. I'm a consultant psychiatrist based in London and I'm in conversation today with Jacqueline Hobson. Uh, Jacqueline is a PhD student of English Literature at the School of English at Sheffield University and she's doing her PhD on a subject linked to the way psychiatrists are represented in fiction, uh, literary fiction. And she's published a very interesting paper in the um, Psychiatric Bulletin. And the title of the paper is The Demonization of Psychiatrists in Fiction and Why Real Psychiatrists Might Want to Do Something About It. And basically, the paper is an analysis of the way psychiatrists are represented in novels and various forms of literature. And comes, Jacqueline comes to the conclusion that, generally speaking, um, novels portray psychiatrists extremely negatively. So first of all, Jacqueline, um, why um, did you choose this subject to form the basis of your PhD? I think over, over a period of quite a few years, when I was reading fiction, I became aware of all these negative portrayals of uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, and associated professionals, probably starting with Iris Murdoch's novels, um, but it, then I started noticing them everywhere. They were, you know, they were nearly always negatively represented. And why did you think that was important? Because you must have thought it was important to then make it the basis of your PhD. I do think it's important. I think um, there is a general fear of psychiatry. Um, if I can just, just mention one friend who briefly was being treated for cancer and he was, um, while he was having his treatment, he was referred to a psychiatrist and when he was telling me about it, he said, I don't know what I'd done wrong. He saw it as a punishment being sent to a psychiatrist. So there isn't a general feeling that psychiatrists are there to help and support patients in the way that other medical specialties are. And you clearly feel quite strongly about that, that, that that's a negative image and therefore something should be done about that. I do feel strongly about it. I've been a, I've been a patient, a service user all my adult life um, and I've met some pretty awful psychiatrists but I've also had care from some exceptionally good ones and I would like to improve the notion that psychiatrists are out there to help patients just as any other doctor is. Okay, so let's turn to the paper itself, which is a, a gripping read in itself, and it's in the Psychiatric Bulletin. I would encourage people who are listening to this to go and have a look at the paper. Um, and um, you start off actually surprisingly with an analysis of the representation of psychiatrists in comics, and then I'm going to skate over that and move straight to some modern some modern novels that you mentioned. You mentioned Stieg Larsson's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and of course that's been a massive bestseller. Can you say a bit about the plot and the role of the psychiatrist in that? Um, it, that's not a novel that I've looked at in any great detail, but the psychiatrist in that proves to to be the sexual abuser of the the girl Lisbeth. He's a okay. rapist. And also there's another rapist in another novel that you mentioned actually as well I think. Or, or a psychiatrist who abuses children in some way. Oh, I think, um, novel. Victoria Glendinning's novel Electricity. Yes. That, that was actually, that was the, what that was the, 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 reading that novel pushed me into saying 
yes, I've got to do this. I found that such a shocking passage where the psychiatrist Bullingdon talks about raping a deaf-mute five-year-old. It is horrendous. And, you know, from a respected novelist who's dealing in good literature, um, that seemed to be something that needed addressing seriously. I mean, it takes one back to the abuses of, of psychiatrists that were shown in Charlotte Perkins Gilman's The Yellow Wallpaper, um, where, you know, psychiatry just locked women away and um, denied them any outlet for their creativity. But the Glendinning novel went so much further. And it is what we fear about psychiatrists. And I wanted to discover why it was that we fear they should be sexual abusers. And you also seem to be arguing that novelists need sort of symbols of things to construct their plots. And psychiatrists do a lot of work, very helpfully for novelists, in terms of tapping into quite a lot of fear. So it's a kind of shorthand yes. way of generating an emotional response from their readers. Absolutely. I mean, I think throughout um, fiction, and including the, the, the comics that I refer to in the paper, um, psychiatrists are people who understand how the mind works. Therefore, they know how the abnormal mind works, and it's that fascination that becomes um, very important in fiction. If you want to understand, certainly if you look at crime fiction, so forensic psychologists are able to understand why people commit horrible crimes. And I would say that what's happening to the psychiatrist is that there is a, there's a general stigma attached to being mentally ill, to being mad. And I think that stigma is contagious and the psychiatrist is the person in whom um, the stigma is, is infused. But there's also something interesting about the idea that um, implicit in the novelistic account is an idea that the psychiatrists are, 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 do, are able to read minds, but yes. na the, the next natural leap is they then use this power in a negative way. It seems yes. very, it says something about the modern era that it could, it's not possible that psychiatrists could have insights into the mind and use it in some positive way. I'm not sure it's something about the modern era. I would say that the fear of madness is one of our greatest fears as human beings. I mean, if you think of King Lear's Let Me Not Be Mad, Sweet Heaven, Not Mad, it is his worst fear. And I think for all of us, the idea that we lose our rationale, uh, our rationality, that we are unable to trust our perceptions, all those things are really frightening. So it is what we fear the most, is being mad. But why can the psychiatrist not play a heroic figure in battling uh, madness or treating it, just as cancer doctors are heroic figures yes. in treating um, cancer? Th that certainly should be possible, and I, you know, I'm only halfway through my PhD, so I hope I'll get to, to that stage where I can explain that. Um, my feeling at the moment is um, that after Freud, um, all the kind of anxiety and worry about sex particularly became invested in the psychiatrist. So he is seen as unnaturally interested 
in perversion and that puts him in an awkward position. Okay, let's talk about, in your section of your paper entitled Most Shocking Excesses, you mention a couple of other novels. You mention Hanif Qureshi's Something to Tell You and Luke Reinhardt's mm -hmm. The Dice Man. Could you say something about either of those two? Well, I think the Qureshi novel, his, his hero is a, is a psychiatrist. We never actually see him practicing his psychiatry. You know, he mentions his office hours, but we don't see him working with patients. What we do see him... Um, being involved in is his completely amoral life. I mean, he's actually involved in stealing and murdering. And and there I just feel that Qureshi has chosen the psychiatrist um, as the role for his anti-hero because we now recognize almost um, quite readily that if there's a psychiatrist, he's going to be a bit like Hannibal Lecter. He's going to be pretty dodgy. Okay. Um, now, you're going back further into the past. You mention um, the psychiatrist as kind of um, uh, keeper of the mad yes. in terms of lock locking them away. You mention, um, uh, uh, I think it's um, uh, Antonio White's Beyond the Glass, Charles yes. Reed's Hard Cash, Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre. Um, and Patrick McGrath's Asylum. Could you say something about any of those? Oh, well, th th those are doing very different things. I mean, Charles Reed, when he was writing Hard Cash, did, was actually trying to address some of the abuses which certainly recognisably happened in mental asylums. I mean, there was a, there was a big trade in private asylums, so it was a money-making business, and um, it was relatively common um, one understands for um, people to have relatives locked away who might sort of stand in their way of inheriting or what have you. So the powerlessness, I think, of the psychiatric patient who is under the care of the psychiatrist is hugely prominent. Once a person is deemed mad and under psychiatric care, they have almost no rights. They cannot be believed. And I think that that's certainly Asylum, McGrath's Asylum is a fascinating um, novel where the psychiatrist is just manipulating his patients. He chooses to be in power over these two particular patients and he uses his power and they are powerless. And I think that's another one that's one of our greatest fears that we have no power in the face of psychiatry. Once the psychiatrist has said, this person is mad, you can shout and scream all you like, no one will believe you, whatever you say means nothing. But you've also found that psychiatrists seem to be guilty of practically every crime that a novice can pin on anyone, and um, there's another section in your paper which is almost a psychiatrist as racist or as racial oppressor, and you mention some uh, novels in that regard, like Ralph, yes. uh, Ralph Anderson's Invisible Man, Jacqueline yes. Roy's The Fat Lady Sings, and Marge Piercy's Woman on the Edge of Time. Um, yes. Could you say something about the role of the psychiatrist in those novels? I think what, what's, what is clear in those three novels um, is that the ra racial minorities are ignored. They've, they fall outside the treatment. In Jacqueline Roy's novel, which is a really entertaining um, piece of work, 
you've got two um, women who are one one Asian, one Afro-Caribbean, and they're just ignored by the system in the hospital. They actually manage to get themselves better. So very often what happens in the psychiatric novel is that the, the patients get themselves better in spite of the psychiatry and the psychiatrists. You also go on to talk about fictional representations of real psychiatrists. Um, and you mention the examples of W.H. Rivers and Frieda from Reichman. Therapists yes. were both presented as competent, sensitive, and caring proponents of the talking cure in Pat Barker's Regeneration Trilogy mm -hmm. and Joanna Greenberg's I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. Um, but you describe that as a very unusual uh, portrayal. Yes, it's very rare to find a psychiatrist, <clears throat> given, given the status of being an understanding, caring person. And those two um, psychiatrists are, are differently presented in that in um, I Never Promised You a Rose Garden, from Reichman is presented purely in the very limited way that the patient sees the psychiatrist, which is in the same room for a short period. We know nothing about the psychiatrist herself, except that she produces excellent care. And that novel was written in the 60s, and I gather it's still used in psychiatric training in the States. Um, the Pat Barker novel, interestingly, has Rivers as a much more rounded person. We get to see both his treatment of patients, which is competent, supportive, but we also see his own fears and anxieties. So Pat Bark has done a wonderful job there of actually presenting a human being who's a psychiatrist rather than a, a cipher for something which is usually evil. Isn't that one of the issues, which is that for the psychiatrist, the, the tension in the audience's mind and the novelist's mind as they think about psychiatry is that if the person has perfect insight into the mind, which is an incredibly powerful thing, then they should also have perfect insight into leading the perfect life. And so, but, but normal people we can identify with aren't like that. So therefore, yes. by definition, the psychiatrist has to be turned into a villain. So there's a consistency now allowed with their power in their clinical practice and the way they use it in their personal lives. It somehow becomes more consistent that you would use his power in a devilish uh, yeah. manner. See, it seems somehow inconsistent that you could be insightful and powerful in the clinic and then just be an ordinary human being with all the vulnerabilities and insecurities yeah. of a normal human being outside of the clinic. That's more difficult to reconcile for a novelist yeah. and, the, and their audience, maybe. That's, that's certainly the case. And I think um, in, in a number of novels, um, psychiatrists are seen as just kind of bumbling and useless and ineffectual in their own lives, not... Um, not sometimes being able to help their patients somewhat, very often not, but their own lives being a wreck, you know, divorce and all sorts of dreadful things going on in their own lives. And we seem to expect, as you say, that the psychiatrist ought to be able to lead a perfect life. Well, obviously that's nonsense. You know, one of the things that I wanted my article to address was that psychiatrists are people as well as doctors of the mind, and therefore they're likely to be fallible. So I was thinking about, um, in Iris, Iris Murdoch's Severed Head, I think, 
um, that the psychiatrist Blaze, it's his his private life is a complete shambles, and somehow we're to understand that that detracts from his professional ability. In fact, he's not trained, so he's a he is a charlatan. So. Um... You've been exploring um, psychiatrists in fiction. Um, there's a sense in which TV series like Cracker and Wire in the Blood are a form mm. of fiction, and yet they're often examples of a psychologist, or often a forensic psychologist, as portrayed as a heroic figure. Um, and I was interested in the fact that they, they tend to, to, to um, pick psychologists to be heroic figures in those kinds of TV series and not psychiatrists. Um, but I think you're arguing that in the in the fictional mind of the novelist and the audience, a psychologist and a psychiatrist are basically the same thing. Yeah, I think that distinction's not made very clearly. Um, obviously, the forensic psychologist is in a position to find clues and solve solve a crime. Psychoanalysis um, is obviously a time-consuming, um, very private interchange between patient and psychiatrist, which is quite hard to turn into an exciting novel. Um, so, the psychiatrist, the, the the psychologist. I mean, there's a there's an interesting guy called um, Keith Ablo, who is um, I think he's Fox TV News's um, psychiatric advisor. But he's he's written some very good thrillers. I mean, very entertaining thrillers, well plotted. One particularly, and it's the, it, the title escapes me at the moment. But he has um, a psychologist who is a serial murderer, and a forensic psychologist who finds out who he is. So you need one psych psychologist to understand the mind of a criminal. So the, the so the the, the hero is a psychologist, but also the villain. Now, you also come to the conclusion that you think this is important that psychiatrists tend to be demonized and portrayed as villains, and you think psychiatrists should do something about it. Um, but I have to argue that you're a bit vague about what psychiatrists should do about it. Clearly, your paper is very important as a first step in, in identifying the phenomenon and naming it. I think that's very important. But... Um, it's not clear to me what you think psychiatry should do about it. I think I'm saying that I would like psychiatrists to be so much more aware of how they appear to the world in general. I think there's a kind of closed elitism um, among psychiatry and that, that psychiatrists are rather cut off from the rest of society. I mean, it was certainly it was interesting when produ producing this um, paper for the Psychiatric Bulletin um, the editorial team didn't like my use of the word mad, um, saying, you know, we don't say that anymore. We say mentally ill. My view is, in general society, people say much worse things than mad, and psychiatrists need to be in touch with how madness and their treatment of it is viewed in society at large. I, I agree, and I think there's, a, there's an even more fundamental thing happening, which is that back in the time when psychoanalysis was dominant in psychiatry or more dominant than it is now psychoanalysis is about the life story of the patient it's a, it, Freud in a way told great stories or he yeah. heard what the patient said and then translated it into a story the trouble was we all know that stories are edited and um, th they're representations of reality but they often 
are quite far away um, from actual reality and so people became very suspicious of the case history as being a rather biased account and yeah. the science of psychiatry has moved away from that into collecting data and using measurement and if you go to a psychiatric congress today you get nothing but PowerPoint demonstration after PowerPoint slide of lots of reams of data but the trouble is we've lost sight of, of actual human beings and human behavior with that but um, the thing about novels is that novels reach people because people understand the world through story, through yes. stories. And there's a sense in which psychiatry seems to psychiatry seems to have lost touch with the fact that stories are very important things and they're how people understand the world. Yes. Um I'm not sure that they have lost touch. I mean I think what is significant is that truth is a mutable topic. So that we have, in the past, we've had the psychiatrist's case notes, starting with, with Freud, but with, with other writers. What is happening now is patient stories are being heard. And clearly, there are many versions of truth, many versions of reality. And what the patient has to say about her own experience is as significant as what the psychiatrist um, judges that experience to be. So I think psychiatry is, I believe, and medicine is generally moving towards an inclusion of the patient's view of their illness, and that can only be a good thing. So perhaps we need less of the data collection and more of the let's listen to the patient. But, I mean, um, there are a lot of novels written by patients or people close to patients um, and, and portray the patient experience or the experience of people mm -hmm. suffering from psychological disorder. And a, a, a book just has just won one, a major literary prize written by a psychiatric nurse, yes. um, which is a novelistic account, yeah. I think, as well. But what is interesting is the dearth of stories from psychiatrists themselves. And when I, I attended the annual congress recently at the Royal College of Psychiatrists and also taught some medical students at King's, and I asked them why is it none of them would seem to consider putting pen to paper and producing a novel themselves. And they, they, they were very against the idea of psychiatrists as novelists. Well, that's really interesting because there are a, a fairly large number of psychiatrists who are novelists. Um, there's a guy called Alan Wheelis who wrote a book called The Seeker, and that is a psychiatrist doing all sorts of terrible things. Um, in the States, there's Yalom, uh, who has written a lot of novels, um, including some that he calls training novels for psychiatrists, and they actually also involve what the Americans call boundary issues, so sexual abuse of patients, so it's like he's warning trainee psychiatrists to stay away from this, um, you know, that this is not a very positive thing. There's a guy called Jeremy Levin who wrote two absolutely wonderful novels, um, who's a Harvard psychiatrist, so there are quite a, not quite a number of them about, but interestingly they often show psychiatrists in a negative light. I can't think offhand of a psychiatric novelist who presents a psychiatrist in a positive light. Well, Jacqueline Hobson, on that note, um, I think we'll have to think about closing here because we're running out of time, but thank you very much for talking to us. And um, uh, your paper is fascinating. And just to remind listeners, the paper is entitled The Demonization of Psychiatrists in Fiction and Why Real Psychiatrists Might Want to Do Something About It. And it's published in the Psychiatric Bulletin. Jacqueline, thank you very much indeed. Thank you.